0: Imagine if you could order an extra bedroom for guests that you could remove right after they leave. That is the idea behind Lenovo's next generation data centers built for cloud computing. You'll have the ability to expand and contract server space on demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance because you don't have time for downtime. And Lenovo Server Systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com forward slash So
1: ahead of this episode, I was really trying to remember what, in fact, my first camera phone was. It was a a Motorola V220 flip phone. Believe it or not, I actually still have here. I'm holding it in my hand right now and and being teleported back to a very strange time when I was like 12 years younger than I am now. And it was the first cell phone that I had with a camera on it. And I always played around with photography. This was definitely the first time that I always had a camera on me. It became sort of the first thing that I used to snap, you know, really loose, fun, random pictures that would end up going nowhere because there was no Instagram or even really web on this. First off, it's VGA resolution, so it's less than a megapixel. But the picture I remember taking most of this phone, I spent seven or eight years as a concert photographer before I started this job here at The Verge. One of the first pictures that I remember taking with a digital camera at a concert was with this phone. And it was, I went to see the used at Roseland Ballroom. Pushed my way all the way up to the front during the openers. Got on the railing right before The Use came on, and uh, I took this picture of Burt McCracken, the lead singer of The U's like hanging over, out over the stage, you know, singing one of their songs. And it's this terrible, muddy, awful, but I still, I can still remember all, you know, thousand or less pixels of it. And it was sort of like the start of this new way of approaching photography for me, where I was going to always have something on me. Sure, I was going to own a better camera down the line that I'd want to use in more challenging situations, but it was the first time that I remember really knowing that the power of just having something on you at all times and always being able to sort of create a new part of a memory, even if it was only a tiny little flip phone.
0: Hello and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I'm joined by my friend and colleague, reporter at Verge.com, Sean O'Kane. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Like, my allergies were pretty bad, but happens not happens this time of year. As bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, it does. And like I was thinking like maybe we could just talk about my allergies for 40 minutes. I mean what honestly question for you what mm. are allergies? What, what are allergies? Wow, you really turned it on me here. You took, you took my format and you weaponized it in a way that I have no capability to, uh, to thwart. We won't answer that question because honestly, I don't know, even though they make me feel terrible. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I know what question. I'm going to Google as soon as this episode is over. <laughs> Why is Chris bad in his job? Uh, no, I'm just going to lose the rest of my workday to the allergies Wikipedia page. Oh, uh, yeah, that works. I have a question for you. Shoot. What is a smartphone camera? That's a good question. Thank you. It kind of says it right there in the name, doesn't it? It's got a... You know, it does, but (laughs) they don't look like normal cameras. No, they don't. This is me being an idiot.
1: (laughs) Well, they... uh, So, you know, smartphone camera, it's the camera that is a part of the smartphone that many of us in the world now own and have in our pockets or in our bags or on our desks. And that trend really started in in the late 1990s as digital cameras were starting to become a thing in the consumer sense of the of it. Some companies started to try and put cellular radios in those cameras so that you could connect them to things. It didn't really pan out because none of the technology was really there. The camera sensor technology wasn't really there yet. And then it sort of got turned on its head because all of a sudden around, right around the millennium, everybody had cell phones. And so cell phone makers were seeing, as camera companies were racing to make sensors smaller and cheaper to be able to make digital cameras a thing, cell phone companies were able to take advantage of that on the extreme low end and take the sort of smallest and cheapest that weren't really good, but uh, were good enough to prove the concept of a camera on your phone and make that a thing, put a camera on people's phones. Uh, And that's what started to happen. Nokia was probably the biggest one uh, in the early 2000s. They just started putting every phone they had had a camera on it. Every camera got incredibly like it was an incredible leap from the one before it, it seemed to the point that like, you know, in the late aughts, there were Nokia phones with 41 megapixel cameras on them, and you're just kind of like, okay, this seems like it's past the limit of what's necessary. <laughs> uh, and but when we're talking about a smartphone camera, that's sort of the era we're in now, right? Like, cell phone cameras were kind of cute, but like I was talking about in the intro, like there wasn't a lot you could do with those photos. There wasn't, there weren't really social networks that you could post them to. I did find <laughs> I had an old blog spot blog sure that i had some sort of weird jerry-rigged solution to like text photos i took on that motorola flip phone to a number and the body of the text would become the title of the post and i could post photos from my motorola flip phone to my blog spot blog wow. that's <laughs> like I,
0: twitter 1.0
1: oh my god i found that blog in the run-up to this episode too and it is it is very interesting
0: I am going to demand that I get to <laughs> see some of these photos. It's, uh, I um, mean, it's
1: totally banal. Like everything that I posted is just like such so random. A lot of the times I didn't write anything, so the, each post is just titled like "Untitled Multimedia Message." This sounds nothing like Instagram, except for it sounds exactly like Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, it was like proto Instagram, and I did that all the way through. I had a, a Samsung slider phone, in mm. that was the last phone I owned before I bought my first iPhone. And, and I did that with that phone too and the the one post that I remember always re- like really stuck out with that phone and that blog was uh, I totaled my car once and mm-hmm. I took a bunch of pictures on that phone to just for insurance reasons and stuff, but I wrote up a post about like my car dying because like I had I don't know two people that would look at my blog spot blog. I don't know why I did it, but I found that, and I was like, oh, this is such a weird digital trace of like my early life but. But anyway, so back to smartphone anyway. cameras, the iPhone yeah. was the thing that really pushed it into the new generation. iPhone and, and Nokia, really, it doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, now, because Nokia is this, like, weird, bastardized brand that, like, no one wants and will never sort of stick around. But those two really got the idea of, A, I mean, the iPhone really got the idea of a smartphone into most people's hands, and B, getting, like, increasingly good cameras within just a couple years into everybody's pockets with those smartphones.
0: So this question will sound silly to like my parents who had nice cameras when I was a child, but I think like I imagine maybe I'm wrong, but uh, there are a number of teenagers, even people our age who have never come in contact with uh, something like a DSLR. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between a smartphone camera and a DSLR? And what are the advantages that, that, has. I mean, when I say advantages, let's talk about the DSLR in this case. We'll get into the smartphone advantages later.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, so the biggest ones are cameras like DSLRs, which is uh, single lens reflex cameras, like basically the camera that most people think about when they think about old film cameras. DSLRs, digital single lens reflex camera. So that's a long way of saying those are these are like the, you know, big sort of bulky, semi professional professional cameras that most people uh, use if they are into photography on that sort of level. And the advantages are, uh, there's a bunch of them. I mean, it's the big one is you can change lenses on it. So you can put on a lens that is super wide angle or one that zooms really crazy, so that you could take like, you know, even a picture of the moon that fills up the frame. Uh, You have a ton of manual control over how the camera takes that picture. And then you also just have, in most DSLRs these days, a digital image sensor that's only slightly smaller than the actual size of a 35 millimeter frame of film. And also a lot of DSLRs have what we call full-frame sensors, which is the exact same size as a 35 millimeter piece of film. All that meaning you get a lot better resolution than the tiny image sensor that would be in a smartphone camera. Smartphone cameras are also typically fixed focal length, so you have like what is a pretty wide angle view with it, not super wide like a GoPro wide, but wide enough to capture a scene, you know, wider than sort of what you focus on with your eyes. And so camera or uh, phone companies have settled on that as like the sort of standard for smartphone cameras, just because you're able to get more in. It's like sort of the more democratic angle for a camera uh, focal length. Sure. And the other big thing is you can't, I mean, you just on a smartphone, you can't do as much manual control. Uh, the focus is fixed. So if you're, say, more than like three or four feet away from a subject, everything behind that subject is also going to be in focus. So there's a lot of little limitations like that too. And you don't really have those with bigger DSLRs or point-and-shoot cameras. Yeah.
0: I mean, I understand the this kind of like traditional idea that the reason that the smartphone is so popular is kind of like you described in your story. It doesn't have all those features, but it's in your pocket. And like, a camera that you are carrying is better than a camera with better features that you're not carrying. But what I'm curious about is, so you mentioned like this goof, the goofy phones you had before you had your iPhone. And I feel like that is kind of the story that a lot of people have where they're like, yeah, uh, I, maybe I took like postage stamp quality, uh, photos with this weird, you know, sidekick I had uh, a long ass time ago, but now I have an iPhone and it feels like the iPhone has kind of dominated the smartphone camera space. So I'm curious why that is and for how long that's been going on. Well, when the iPhone came out in 2007,
1: most people at that point still had, you know, flip phones, slider phones, maybe a sidekick, but you still had, most people didn't have what you would consider a smartphone at that point. The iPhone was really the biggest sort of signifier of that change in what kind of phones people owned and even though I mean the first iPhones had two megapixel cameras three megapixel cameras uh iPhone 4 even had a five megapixel camera I mean that's not the megapixels don't determine everything about a camera but these sensors were really small so it's not like the early iPhones were like incredible at photography but The iPhone was the thing that made people want to start buying smartphones and because it had a camera on it, which was an idea we were already pretty comfortable with after a lot of cell phones were starting to adopt that. It was the clearest path to this. I think everybody got in their head this idea of what if you had a great camera on this really powerful pocket computer so the iPhone was the sort of most popular thing running with that idea and you know by the time you got to the iPhone 4 it actually had an incredible camera for all these things considered Uh, and so that is just partly why it dominated the other part is that Apple, I mean Apple's not creating the image sensors that are in the iPhone. They're buying them from companies like Sony. Sony makes almost half of like all the image sensors used in any sort of digital camera and they just sell them to those companies. And so Apple's not building that tech, but what they are so good at is using the processors that they put in their phones and writing the right kind of software to make the best of that image sensor that they've bought and put in their phones. And so that is what has helped Apple keep that lead since the iphone came out is that they're just they do more with those image sensors and those camera components than anybody else has up until this year basically where samsung and and google have put out phones that are as good probably better in most situations than even the iphone 7
0: well i mean let's let's dig into that kind of hardware software issue because i feel like a lot of the things that i've read especially uh, basically this week have been about the power of the software in Google's uh, Pixel phone. How how important are the like hardware components and how important are the software components kind of making use of all the data uh, that the hardware is collecting? Uh,
1: so we actually, I mean, they're super important. And that's the iPhone and some of its biggest competitors over the last couple of years have had like really comparable hardware that make up The cameras on these phones. The reason that the iPhone is held up as the example and, you know, say HTC's phones lag behind when you like compare the two cameras is really in how they, not just the software meaning the camera app, that's important. You want something that's fast and easy to understand, but gives you some sort of control if you dig around a bit. But just that base level software, like what they're doing with the processor on the phone to interpret that data from the image sensor so it's super important. And I, there's actually uh, Sam Byford who works for us. He lives in Japan. He did an interview with the head of Google's computational photography team, which Google just released the Pixel phone. We have a review up this week. But Sam also talked to this guy who was a big part in making all these kinds of software decisions for the Pixel phone. And the Pixel's camera is really, really good. And let me re- I'm going to read a quote real quick from that interview. That's a little heady, but it sort of, if you can get it, it makes you understand. The whole interview is worth reading, but Sam writes the traditional way to produce an HDR HDR image is like when you combine a couple photos and like bring out the darks and bring back the highlights. So he says the traditional way to produce an HDR image is to bracket. You take the same image multiple times while exposing different parts of the scene, which lets you merge together shots to create a final photograph. Google's method is different with the Pixel. They do HDR by taking a bunch of images at once. And they're all underexposed and then they use algorithms to take all the data from all those underexposed photos and like bring out the shadows. And like that a phone and the camera on that phone is doing that instead of just taking it, you know, and giving you one image. Like that's insane to me that that's where we're at with smartphone cameras. And while they're not as capable as, say, a DSLR or something like that, there's some really crazy stuff that's starting to happen on these phones. And, you know, really crazy minds at places like Google and Apple are coming up with, you know, brilliant ways like this to use that, what they can do with the processors and the software and stuff to enhance what that tiny image sensor is capturing. Yeah. And so that's really crazy. It's, it's, if you're interested in what is changing in smartphone cameras, it's this interview is certainly worth a read that Sam did with with that guy from Google.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I'm a camera company, I mean, I guess the idea of like consumer grade cameras is like uh, an increasingly small thing anyway. But this seems terrifying. The <laughs> idea that like these companies like Apple that are just rich enough to throw money at any problem Yeah, that could, in theory, buy out most of these camera companies, if not all of them, I guess, that that's what you're competing with now. And they're trying to figure out all these techniques that require not just the knowledge of how to create the technique, but like the phone. Uh, Essentially, they require a computer Mm -hmm. to accomplish those things. I don't know. It's like Apple is going to be better at the camera business faster than cameras are going to be better at the computer business. Okay. As an expert, because that, that is how I perceive you. Oh thanks. As, uh, sure. Anytime. I also <laughs> perceive you as a person with good taste in hats. Oh, they're like thanks uh, again. mostly baseball caps, but like they kind of look dusty, like the sandlot. That's uh, yeah, they're not as long as the one from the sandlot, though. <laughs> that that is actually one of the things I don't like about you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about your favorite of the kind of top smartphones, right? So like we have the iPhone seven. We have the Samsung Galaxy seven edge. Not the not the note. Not no. the one that explodes. No. And we have the Google Pixel. Of those, which one has your preferred smartphone camera?
1: Uh I mean I own an iPhone seven, so that one, uh, in a sense, but the best one. I just spent a couple days with all three of them testing them sort of against each other and wrote a bunch of words for the site about that. And people who really want to read all of them and see all the comparisons (laughs) can go on the website and do that. Uh, But the conclusion I came to is that in more situations than not, the Pixel, Google's new phone, actually has the best camera. But the difference between them all is like s- the differences are so slight and some are better in some situations than others that like it's almost a draw. Gun in my head, I'd probably say iPhone just because I have that and spent money on it and it's hard to unmarry myself from that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've thought about that Google Pixel, but I, I, I'm, I'm all hooked up in my iMessage now. Or message, as it is called. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's one other thing that we, we haven't talked about. The iPhone 7 Plus. Yes. Which has dual cameras. Yes. Walk me through how that's different than the other stuff we've talked about. So the iPhone 7
1: Plus is kind of the wild card in this whole situation because it, like you said, it has two. Not just one camera on the front and one camera on the back. We're talking three total cameras, actually. Uh, because it, it has two on the back of the phone. Right next to each other one of them is the same sort of wide angle camera that is on the iphone 7 it's the sort of kind of smartphone camera you'd expect from any kind of phone and the one right next to it is actually a whole different group of material it's i mean it's another sensor another set of lens elements it's a whole separate camera right next to the the main one and the difference is that that second camera is what apple calls telephoto it's not quite what hardcore photographers would consider telephoto because it doesn't zoom like crazy but it zooms optically about two times what the standard lens does so you can get a little bit closer to your subjects without actually having to get closer to your subjects uh (laughs) digital zoom is something that like Obviously, camera, smartphone cameras and other cameras have had for a long time. But that's just digital zoom is essentially just enlarging the image that you took in real time. So it's no different from just putting it on your computer and blowing it up a bunch. Uh, whereas this is actually, you know, building a camera that can... S- see things a little bit closer. Apple's not the first one to do this. A couple other phones have had dual camera systems. Nokia had one a long time ago. There was also an HTC 3D phone uh, that shot, but this isn't for 3D or anything. It's just to give you a whole different perspective, you know, a camera that is capable of shooting a different looking picture from the one right next to it. Uh, and that sort of gets it into, you know, it's no still nowhere near as versatile as something like a DSLR or a point and shoot, but it's heading down that path. You know, if phone companies decide to put more varied cameras on the back of the phones, if, if they can find the space for it, then you could start to bridge that gap to a, you know, quote-unquote real camera that is much more versatile and they could, you know, do 20x optical zoom or let you change lenses or something like that. So
0: sure. that's sort of I mean, the whole point behind this. That, that leads to the final question here, which is, if you're ready for it, Okay. Should somebody who is not a professional photographer or has no aspiration to be a professional photographer, should this person still buy a traditional camera or are these phones good enough that you're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: Do you need to? No. Should you? Sure. Uh, I mean, okay. I think. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you can say hard yes, but like yes, if it's within your means, if you can save up some money. It's. I feel like this whole podcast episode is one long sort of. Slow troll from you to get me to pimp your piece that you wrote for the site about a year and a half ago about yes, it is how you uh, kind of regretted having taken so many pictures of important moments of your life on a smartphone as opposed to a real camera and why that spurred you to go buy a, a bigger digital camera and I think you made a lot of really good points in that piece about how what we consider to be good enough quality on a smartphone camera or even impressive quality on a smartphone camera today in ten years or fifteen years might not look like that. It won't look as, you know, the picture you take on your iPhone 7 now probably won't look as crappy as that picture I took at that used concert did 12 years ago now. But there is still a big difference between the kind of quality you can capture with a camera with a sensor that's, you know, four or five times the size of the sensor in a smartphone. And so there's something to be said about being able to preserve those moments in a higher fidelity than what you could with a smartphone.
0: We were talking about this earlier, but the idea that like the reason an image might look really great today and not look as great in the future doesn't have to do with your eyeballs. It has to do with the screens that you're looking at the image on. Yeah. That if you're look if the uh, image you shot today, uh, if you know, ten years from now we are all on twelve k or even high resolution screens, that (laughs) image is going to look pretty small. Yeah, or if you're in VR, I mean th- that's that's how you plan on looking at all of your images, correct?
1: Yeah, it's just, but they're all going to be small, low resolution iPhone seven photos that are just going to be falling around me like snowflakes. I mean, they're there's gonna nothing be...
0: sad about that at all. That's a very not sad image that doesn't make me want to curl up under my desk. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, to talk Perfect. about nerdy camera stuff and depress the hell out of you. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us today, Sean. I really appreciate you depressing me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Lenovo. I want to thank our amazing producer, Andrew Marino. And I want to thank you, the listener, You are wonderful. I really appreciate you, and I'm glad that you are here every Tuesday and or Wednesday when we release a new episode. You can find us on theverge.com. You can find us on iTunes, where I would appreciate if you left a review. But if you uh, can't or don't want to, that's fine, because we are available on all podcatchers. And that's it. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.